0: Hi guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figure Out Baseball uh, here on our Figured Out Baseball podcast today, and we're lucky enough today to be joined by Dan Bernalini, who is uh, the head coach at Youngstown State University, a Division I in the Horizon League uh, in Ohio. And uh, Dan's, uh, Dan's got a really great history of winning, which is part of these podcasts as we you know, we, want to, um, we want to talk to people who, who have had a lot of success that way for younger players and high school coaches. Uh, they can hear some things, I guess, that can help with their own careers and help, help to progress themselves. So I'm uh, very lucky to have Dan on the show today. Dan is actually a Youngstown native, which is pretty rare in, uh, in college baseball to have somebody who, who grew up in that area. He's from Poland, which is a suburb of Youngstown. I uh, coached at Mercyhurst, which is not, or I'm sorry, played at Mercyhurst, which is not that far away. So he's spent a lot of his life there, which, uh, which is something really unique and something we'll get into with Dan in a bit. Um, but, but it is rare to have a guy who kind of is, is, is coaching around home, and which I think uh, adds a certain degree of, uh, of pride to what he's doing there at Youngstown. So Dan is a 2008 graduate of Mercyhurst, which is a, a really well-known Division II, one of the most successful Division II programs in the country. Uh, he was a four-year starter there. Uh, at Mercyhurst, Dan set the school record for games started, games played, consecutive games played. He was, I guess, kind of your uh, Division II version of Cal Ripken as the Iron Ironman. Um, he was a second-team all-conference at shortstop. He won a, uh, the Region Rawlings Gold Glove at shortstop in his time at Mercyhurst. Uh, played pro ball for a couple of years when he was finished and then uh, started his coaching career and uh, spent eight years at Mercyhurst Northeast, which is a junior college there in Ohio. He was the winningest coach in school history there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Dan set the school record for, for career wins when he was 27 years old, which is, which is really a, a remarkable thing. Uh, his la- four of his last five years at Mercyhurst Northeast, his team's won 30-plus games. They won the Region 3 titles in 2012 and 2014. They're ranked in the top 20 nationally each year from 2012 to 2015. Uh, set tons of school records in his career there, including team, uh, team records of hits, in a season, doubles in a season, home runs, runs scored, RBIs, walks, strikeouts for the pitching staff, uh, in addition to all the games they won. had 55 players named an all-region team, four players named uh, the region Player of the Year. Two times he had Junior College All-Americans there, seven times he had Junior College Academic All-Americans. So it's not just about winning. Dan's also done a great job of recruiting and uh, developing guys who have really done well in the classroom. I uh, took over at Youngstown State in 2017. In his first year there, he won a, they won a couple, couple of games against nationally ranked teams. Actually, Dan's first win at Youngstown was against a nationally ranked team. Um, in 2017, the team hit 50 home runs. Just to give you an idea, that was 38 more than the team hit in 2016. Uh, the team set a school record for fielding percentage in that year with 966 fielding percentage. Had a couple of players named National Player of the Week. They had a player set the single season home run record. Uh, 2018, they improved uh, by three wins from the year before, led the Horizon as an offense with 272 walks, which was also a school record. They were second in the Horizon with 86 stolen bases, second in the Horizon League with 44 home runs, hit 40 home runs in back-to-back seasons for the first time ever in Youngstown State history. Uh, as pitchers struck out the fourth most number of hitters in Youngstown State history. Um, they also that year in t- 2018 won the Horizon League Team Community Outreach Award, which uh, is really great as as we're going to jump into things here with Dan, just to know that, you know, it's not not just about winning. It's also about your footprint in the community as well as developing young men that are going to be successful in their lives, their academic lives. Uh, So let me just ask you, I guess, right off the bat, Dan, well, first of all, I guess, uh, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yes, sir. So uh, just from, uh, it's a really impressive resume. And, uh, I mean, those are those are the kind of people we want to have on here, guys, that, that really understand what it takes to be successful uh, in college baseball. So let me just start by asking you this question, this kind of simple, broad question. In your opinion, what makes up a successful college baseball program? What does that mean to you to be a successful program?
1: Well, I mean, I think success is probably uh, valued differently depending on, on kind of where you're at, but uh, but I think... Um, you know generally uh what what I think makes a successful baseball program is a great culture and um and great and great people um and for us you know that's sort of our motto you know we sort of started this uh you know when we, when we took over here at Youngstown State um you know it started um with uh with a motto called change your best it's up in our locker room It's our hashtag um that we usually put on all of our social media, and for us to make a successful program is to change your best is is to really look at our guys and, and make them better in four different ways, and, and you kind of touched on it, um, but, you know, academically, um, athletically, their personal growth, and then our service to our community, so, um, you know, to be successful, it's more than just, you know, being really good on the baseball field, it, it's it's being a a well-rounded person and and player. And and I think, you know, building that culture is what really makes a a team successful. You know, you hear a lot of coaches talk about, um, you know, judge me on my success for when you see sort of, you know, what our players do with their lives and and where they go once they leave our program. That's really how you you value success. And, um, you know, we've really stressed that, that, um, you know, wins and losses are sort of, uh, sometimes outside of your control, you know a lot of people will look at a really successful program by by how many wins they have or or anything like that, but for us it 's more you know doing things the right way all the time, and then those those little things will lead to success on the field, you know taking care of uh, wins and losses on the field, but really focusing on you know taking care of yourself, being good in the classroom, being a great person off the field and then being great in your community and if we can do those things that's going to make us very successful
0: with your history of winning what you've done in the past and obviously winning is not the only thing but with all those things the the four areas that you're focused on you know changing your best developing the culture there at youngstown state it's a, I, I've been part of programs before kind of like you are at Youngstown where there's a, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. And obviously this spring could be a uh, far different results than, than Youngstown has had in the past handful of years. What do you think it's going to take to turn the Youngstown state program into what you would consider a winner up to what your standards would be?
1: Well, I, I think we've had, you know, we've had successes here. You know, it's got a rich, history here at Youngstown. This is a very um, baseball-rich area. Uh, you know, our local baseball is very good, and it's a very prideful area, um, you know, being from Youngstown and, and, and being a baseball player. Uh, but, you know, I think you know, we just haven't sustain, sustained that success over long periods of time. You know, we've had some... We've had lots of guys play professional baseball, the all-conference, and we've had some good years um, throughout the the course of of our history. But I think, you know, really to sustain sustain success here is just getting the right type of player, um, you know, in our program that, you know, like we talked about, will do things the right way. Um, You know, we've sort of changed our philosophy a little bit over the first couple years, you know, really trying to build sort of what we're looking for in the type of player that that we think can help us win and um, you know you saw some some jumps in some of the power numbers uh, from from year one from from before we got here year one to year two but really trying to create um, a total offense you know being uh, you know not just hitting for power but be able to get athletic guys that can steal bases and play multiple positions and, and give us tons and depths. And, you know, so I think it just takes some time uh, to really build the culture. It's hard to, to flip it right away. And I think, um, you know, we have great support from, from all over our administration and, and coaching staff. So I'm looking forward to uh, to hopefully doing that this year.
0: So as you're trying to change the culture there, it can't just be about what what you and your coaching staff are teaching uh, I'm sure a lot of it is also that you're trying to uh you're trying to develop players but you're also trying to recruit a certain type of player that is I guess that fits the mold of what you guys are looking for um in in winning oftentimes you know changing programs around it's a lot of that starts at least in my experience with bringing in players who who are the right players athletically but also the right players that fit your culture so in your opinion what characteristics does the right player have in order to, to turn the Youngstown State program around? What type of player are you looking for?
1: Well, we always talk about, um, you know, I uh, we talk about, the you know, kind of the rules of three, um, which is, you know, when you go watch a baseball game, you know, there's so many games being played all over the country, so many different levels, uh, so many showcases, so many different things. And when we get an opportunity to go watch players play, you know, we try to look at, um, you know, the first – three guys in the dugout. Usually if you look in the dugout when when the team's hitting or or defensively, if if you're in on the game, you you look at the guys that are up in the front part of the dugout that are closest to to where the players come in and out. Usually those guys are super invested. They're high-fiving their teammates when they come off the field regardless of um, anything else that's going on. Um, You know, those are usually the guys that are that are the guys that we're sort of looking at. Then you look at the next group of guys. They're sort they're sort of engaged, but not quite as engaged as the first guys. And then you look at the next group of guys, and those guys are probably you know at the end of the bench, kind of um, not really paying attention to what's going on. And and that's sort of the separator. No matter how good of a you know talent wise you know you are, um, there's three things really that we want to look at when we're looking at potential players. Um, you know, are they a good teammate is definitely one of the things that we look at um you know do they are they the first people running off the field do they do they high 5 when guys score run right in the middle of the game um, you know do they do they how do they handle failure uh when they don't do well you know how do they handle success when they do do well um, you know we look for guys that that can compete um and competing isn't just you know we, you know, we tell our guys, but it's not just physically being on the field playing against another another team. I think Nick Savin said it sort of the best when he talked about sort of competing. Um, it's really those guys, we're looking for those guys that have have mental toughness, that when things don't go well or when they don't feel 100% or, um, you know, they're it's, they're having a bad day, can they still find a way to... Give them, give us your best. Even if you're 0 for 3, and you're fourth you to back. Can you find a way to give it, give it your best? Um, you know, when a guy's hit a hit a double off you, can you find a way to, find a way to dig deep and compete when, when things aren't going well? Because it's really easy to go watch a player he's 4 for 4 or four home runs. Um, it's really easy to watch him. He, he's going to be a great teammate. He's going to be a good player. It's really those guys you know, that we know are talented, but we watch them when they're, when they're not on the field and when they're not doing things. But, you know, how they treat their parents, how they treat others is, is super important to the kind of culture that we're bringing. Um, you know, we want guys that are selfless, that are about our team more than they are about themselves. Um, and that's tough to do. It's, it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to do in baseball because it's such a individual game, you know. You don't have that opportunity to... Um, you know, you you have, you, have a, you make a a bad play or or you strike out, you might not get another opportunity for two or three more innings, or you might not get another opportunity to field for the rest of the game. So, how do you handle yourself when you know those things happen? Those are the types of players that we're trying to bring in here to help us build that culture of those selfless guys.
0: It's great to hear you say that. I, I think that there are so many young people that need to hear that, and and probably a lot of young people that hear that from their coaches or their parents. And you know whether or not they always buy into that, I don't know, but hearing it from somebody you know a division one head coach I, I think is is really really important so i uh, appreciate you saying that and um with no prompting there i <laughs> didn't uh, didn't ask you to say that ahead of time that's so just it's great to hear so from from my experience um in the last i don't know probably ten to fifteen years, probably since you and I are similar age um from when you started coaching travel baseball has gotten has gotten bigger and bigger and showcase baseball has become more and more important and those things are important on the recruiting trail for sure but i i believe that at least from, from my uh my perspective winning has become deprioritized because travel ball and showcase baseball has become just about about putting the individual on a on a pedestal, of putting an individual in a in a position where he can be seen and and he can be identified because of his individual talent, um, and I think some of the sometimes the team first type mentality, the selflessness that you talked about is sort of lost in that. Um, but what you know, what's your opinion about that? In your opinion, has travel baseball and showcase ball has it affected kids? wills to win or, or maybe there are, are there are there fewer kids who have the team first mentality or do you feel like that's something that you have to develop in kids once they're on campus
1: well i definitely it, it's, it's it is challenging because you know i can i see both sides of it you know as a i have two young children and um as a as a parent you obviously want the best for your child you want them to have an opportunity for them to go out and thrive and be the best that they can be but uh, but at the same time I think it's honestly made it it's made it a challenge because of how many games are being played um, you know and the devaluing of, of winning for those games but I think for us to evaluate players it, it might have gotten easier in a weird way because you know we still are looking for those players that are inside the games, that are inside those travel games at 9 in the morning on a Sunday or Saturday or 8 in the morning on a Saturday that are out there doing things the right way and playing the game really hard. Um, so in some aspects, it's made it easier to evaluate because I can really see how much this player, Player X, loves the game of baseball and how much, he, how much he's invested in you know, his team and, his, and, his, um, and himself. But you know there is. I definitely think it it has impacted you know some of it. But it's also you know it's made it easy easily more accessible to find players uh, because there's so many opportunities for guys to be seen. So you know I, I see both sides of it. I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if you can teach it when they get to campus. Uh, I think you might be able to bring it out of them more. Uh, they might have it already and you need to bring it out of them a little bit more because everything we do through our practice plans and through our uh, preparation is, is a lot of it is competition and um, it's going to be really hard. You know, we're going to make it really hard. And so you might not have a lot of success. So um, I guess it, at some point you're either going to figure out a way to compete or it's going to you know it's going to be really challenging for you. So, um, you know I, I think that there is some ability to probably get some of that compete out of players, but uh, but you know hopefully we do a good job and evaluate those guys that really want to to win and compete.
0: So where exactly as a recruiter do you do you draw the line, or is there a line where where maybe you overlook some things for the ultra talented player? maybe a tough question to answer but obviously if you you know if you go to a showcase and you see a pitcher you know 6 foot 3 right-hander throwing 92 to 95 with really good stuff obviously everybody wants that guy on their team uh just because of the big arm because there are certain things that you necessarily you can't you can't quite teach you know some of those types of things where for you as a coach is, is that line drawn or is there a line where where a player is so talented that you overlook some things that you that that might be more important for a player who's not quite at that level uh with his athletic ability.
1: Well, you know, I you know, I guess uh I I guess I've been on both sides of that. Um you know, as a young coach, especially early on in my career, um, you know, I coached at the junior college level where things are a little bit different than they are. Uh by a little bit, I mean a lot different than than they are for us here, especially in the situation that, our, that we were in at, at East Northeast, and, you know. And so, you know, we would take, you know, some guys that, you know, had some, had some baggage, had some things going on, but were, were super talented. And I found, you know, sometimes those are the most rewarding guys to coach because you learn how to – they kind of learn how to handle themselves and grow up and become, you know, really good people and, and maybe had some problems when they first started. But – you know, I definitely think overlooking um some of the red flags that come up on players because of talent, it can get you in a really bad place because um you know it just takes one or two guys in a culture to change and 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 be bad for your team no matter how talented they are you know that we we you know I read the book uh all the books by John Gordon and, and uh we have some of our players that are reading the energy bus you talk about the energy vampires, you know, those guys, no matter how talented they are, they start to suck the life out of you a little bit and um, so I, I really we we really, really try our very best to to evaluate players multiple times, to get a chance to see them play no matter no matter how well they look at a showcase, you know, you really don't know them until you get a chance to really See them play and interact with their teammates. I really can't stress that enough on how they handle themselves, you know, off the field and in in game more than showcase. But you know, are there are, are there times where you might take a player with a couple red flags because so he's just that talented? I, I, yes, I, I can't say we haven't done that. But um, but I think more times than not, if you don't have the right culture in your program, it can definitely hurt what you're what you're trying to do.
0: I definitely agree with that, and have seen that myself and uh as a as a high school coach, which is a new thing for me it's a it was a big transition to go from college coaching to high school coaching. One of the things that I saw personally was that there's so much indifference in players today where it's it's like they're afraid to show. Emotion, and they're afraid to. They're almost afraid to look like they're too invested. And I don't know that that's something that I remember happening when I was younger. I don't know if that's a if it's a generational thing or something I just didn't notice when I was younger. But it's it's like um, it just seems like with a lot of with a lot of players that are in high school right now, they just have a hard time showing that emotion. Um, when you're out seeing guys, you, you obviously you want to see their emotion. You want to see guys that that want to win. How much are you also looking into their background by talking to coaches? You know what exactly? And this is something I think that that kids hear from from again from their parents or their high school coaches, but maybe they don't always buy into it. How much background are you doing on guys to find out? You know more. You you might just obviously see them on a, on a couple of good days, like you said. It's easy to be a good teammate when they've had good days. How much? homework are you doing talking to their summer coaches their high school coaches trying to find out what kind of a kid he is what kind of a teammate he is how you know is uh you know how how does he treat his parents you brought that up earlier what are his grades like you know how hard of a worker is he in the classroom how much background are you guys doing on on kids in those areas
1: i would say as much as you possibly can um you know a lot of times we you know we're recruiting players that our, our current players have played against or played with uh so they're usually a good indicator on you know how they feel about somebody else, um you know whether they played with them or didn't you're talking to their high school coach, their travel ball coach um or or whatever summer ball coach that they have you know to try to figure out as much as you can um you know and then, like I said, we just try to watch everything they do when they're on the field when they come off the field, what are they doing in the dugout? you know I've seen players come off the field and they go right into their bag and they get their phone out, you know, and they're sending a text message or they're, you know, checking social media. Like, you know, that means that you're not very well – you're not invested in what's going on. So that's probably a red flag for us that you're not, probably not going to be a guy that we're going to continue to look at. Um, you know, I, I, I do think it's it, there is some – you know, I just think things have changed a little bit from even 10 to 15 years ago, you know, I think – to be a really good coach you just have to continue to adapt with what you're doing and how you're trying to get guys engaged and how you're trying and you know the way that you handle players and all those things um you know i I just think back to when i first started coaching i think it was what 10 years ago now um you know how much different i've become over the last 10 years than i was when i first started um i'm sure players have probably changed some from 10 years ago till now. So just constantly trying to adapt and just learn how to relate to the current players that are, you know, that are coming up, the generations that are coming up.
0: So with that in mind, what, what do you think, just going back to your own career, if you could go back and, and talk to yourself as a high school baseball player with what you know now, with your experience coaching, what are what are some what's maybe one or two things that you would tell yourself if you could look back and talk to yourself as a seventeen year old?
1: Well, I was sort of that uh undersized, uh unders speeded. I guess that's not a word, but wasn't the fastest player in the world, uh, wasn't the strongest player. Um, you know, I would have went back and, and definitely got in the weight room. Um, would have been A number one, you know, sort of 15 20 years ago it was sort of hey uh you know weights weren't really super big yet you weren't getting in the weight room um uh, you know it was kind of like the the old school hey you don't lift weights when you're playing baseball kind of deal it started to get obviously changed but I would have definitely <clears throat> gotten the weight room more I would have definitely done more um uh speed and agility work when I was younger um you know but I guess uh you know, I probably i, I played with uh, with a lot of emotion. Uh, I probably would have reeled maybe some of that back a little bit. Uh, not, uh, I mean, emotion's good, but but how to handle yourself? Um, you know, when things don't go well, I think was was definitely a um, something I would have I would have told myself at that point. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think um, I don't know. I we we. Travel ball wasn't wasn't a big thing then, so you know we played, um, you know locally didn't travel a whole lot. I might have done some done some more traveling to get a little bit more exposure, but um, you know really, I don't think I I, I wouldn't have changed a, a whole lot. Um, I'm happy with you know kind of everything happened for a reason, but definitely, uh, yeah I think definitely the the weight room strength and conditioning stuff would have been a, would have been a lot different.
0: So now when kids come to your campus, when they're transitioning from high school to what they experience as a collegiate student athlete, what are, what are some of the biggest adjustments that they've got to make once they transition to campus?
1: Um, can, you, can you repeat that question? I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, when, a, when a high school player is transitioning from what they're used to in high school to what they're going to experience on, on a college campus every day, with academics as well as uh what they're going to experience with you know with your team day to day it's a much much different schedule much different atmosphere what do you think are some of the biggest adjustments that high school players have to make once they get on campus or maybe some things they're not expecting or some things they find it takes them a little while to adjust to
1: I definitely think time management is a big factor um, you know you're going to be asked to do so much more than you are in high school um, you know a typical day for our guys is you know, early morning lift. you know this is um, in season you know in the fall season you know right when they get to campus you know they start we start lifting pretty much right away strength strength and conditioning you know usually early in the morning between six and seven in the morning um you know to, you know t- to take care of their bodies find ways to to eat because their schedule gets pretty pretty hectic, you know, and, and going to class and then getting an opportunity to, you know, whether we're doing individuals or, um, you know, we're, we're doing practice times um, and then, you know, finding opportunities to get into the, um, uh, our um, study hall hours, you know, getting into our academic success center. And, um, you know, so I think that's probably the biggest difference uh between high school and college and the other thing is too is that you know where I see guys struggle is probably the first time that they ever fail uh a lot you know that they have they have a lot of struggles because they're they're facing the best of the best all the time every day in practice where they you know haven't had that they haven't had that uh They've always had success, so they're going to come here and probably have some trouble in the fall and adjust to some drills and, you know, going to be asked to do possibly different things than they did in high school. So, you know, for those guys to be coachable uh, is super, super important, is for those guys to, you know, be able to take instruction and not take it personally, you know, when we ask you to whether it's to change a small thing in your mechanic or, you know, do different drills that make you feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, it's kind of getting outside that comfort zone. That's probably uh, one of the bigger um, uh, struggles that that new players have. You know, I've done it this way my whole life. I've had a lot of success at it my whole life, and then I get here, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm struggling. I I can't hit the the the, pit, the, the machine that's throwing really hard and throwing sliders and breaking balls and change ups. I can't hit the pitchers when we get into the game. I don't have the success I'm having in, in practice because our practice is going to be a lot more challenging, most likely. So, you know, really learning how to adjust and handle yourself and and um, and be coachable is probably a big one for those guys.
0: So how do you coach your players? Because, I, I mean, I can speak from experience with this as well. You move up from from high school to college ball and all of a sudden – you know, everybody around you is a lot better, and you're now, you know, the best, the best people that you played against in, in high school are now the guys you're playing against every day in college. How do you coach that as a, as a coach? How, how, do you, how do you keep a guy, uh, you know, keep his confidence level up, and, 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 you know, what do you do with those types of kids to help them to have success and not, not lose confidence in themselves, not lose faith in their own abilities?
1: Well, first, the first thing we want to do is we want to tell them it's okay to fail. It's okay to not not do well um in our drills. The drills are are made especially you know, you're talking about um you know, our hitting stuff. You know, we do a, a ton of work off of pitching machine. Almost all of our work is off machine work. You know, we we do some on field BP, you know, overhand toss, but for the most part, you know, um, if we're not working on our mechanics or we're not working on situations, we're probably hitting off a pitching machine that's throwing, you know, 90 plus. Um, that's not the most accurate pitching machine. You know, it's going to move and cut and sink. Um, and so, to really let those guys know, like, hey, it's okay to not have success against this machine. It's how you, how you approach it, how you, how you handle yourself when you don't you know can you can you step out and refocus and we teach all these different you know breathing patterns and tools and um you know things to kind of reset yourself and then get back in the pitching machine and compete and that's really where they're kind of learning how to compete um and so you know we do some we do some overhand toss and we do some things like that just to you know to kind of build their confidence and, and let them have a really successful day but you know at the end of the day we're going to face guys that throw really hard and their stuff moves a lot, and, you know, it's going to be challenging. So we try to make those training situations as challenging as we can and let them know that, hey, it's okay. We're not judging you on how you, uh, the results, we're, 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 we're judging you on, you know, how you handle yourself and the process you you go through to get to where you really need to be and how coachable you are by, you know, the things that we're telling you, how well you, you take coaching uh, to get better. So, um, you know, and, and let them know that, hey, if we didn't think you were good, you wouldn't be here, you know, we we, we trust that you're a really good player, so, um, you know, we, we're we going to try to do all the things we can to put you in a really successful situation uh, so you can have the most success in your career, and you just got to trust that uh, that we're going to do that, so, you know, I think for those new guys, building that trust is really, really important for us, is, is just having those guys, you know, kind of trust us for what we're doing.
0: So you kinda of brought up a couple of things there that I'd I'd like to touch on or at least one I guess uh right now. The velocity in the game has changed so much in the last handful of years. I mean the game the game is continually evolving, but whether you're watching major league baseball or or college baseball or even it trickles down to high school baseball, there there seems at least from, from my perspective, uh, at the high school level and I don't, I don't think it's I think it's indisputable at the pro level and in college level, there's more velocity in the game now than there was, you know, things, um, all the velocity programs that exist and the weight training that's done, the baseball-specific weight training that exists now, um, those things have have really made the game progress at at almost a staggering pace. And as a high school player now, you know, someone that you're trying to, someone that you want to recruit or maybe has the, the natural ability to play at your level, it seems like they've they've got to do almost a little bit more than now than they would have in the past. What are some things that you think as a high school player uh things that they need to be doing to sort of keep up with the the pace of the game and how the game has progressed, whether that be like you said if you could go back and talk to yourself, you know the weight training would have been more important, but do you think that that young players need to find a way to do some uh some you know get into a velocity program and increase their velocity whether they're positioned players or um, or pitchers or whether it's uh, something else what what are some things do you think young players need to do to sort of keep up with the pace of the game and how the game is changing
1: well uh, this is a running debate I really think with um, with everyone in baseball right now is is sort of you know all the weight training weighted ball you know all that stuff um, I think there's tons of tons of merit in you know, those programs done the right way. Um, you know, we do a, a modified uh, program through DriveLine, um, and, and those guys have had a ton of success with, you know, the results that they get from their guys that go through their program. Um, I definitely think that there's, you know, I, I think if you're going to be a pitcher in this game, um, you know, command is probably more important, you know, at a young age than than velocity Um, you know you can have all the velocity in the world but if you can't throw it over the plate it doesn't really matter Um, so you know being able to to command the strike zone and be able to have some um, some toughness on the mound is probably the most important but I definitely think you know throwing long tossing um, proper you know proper rest and weight training um, and you know, I, I, I you know I've seen guys have a lot of success with the weighted balls. We've had guys that that do um, some of the weighted ball stuff. You just have to be do it the right way. You have to be very diligent, prepared, and go through the proper rest protocols and do everything that you need to do to keep your arm healthy as well as you know getting it stronger. Um, you know, I, I think for for hitters, I think training to hit velocity is probably the most important thing. Because uh, you know, if you're facing guys in high school, or, you know that are in the 70s and 80s, like you're, you're not going to face any of those guys when you get to this level. So, being able to you know train yourself to hit the the hardest throwers is is really important. So, you know, hitting you know short cage, hitting um, off pitching machines, things that can that can make it hard to time. So, you really have to be good with your timing, like all those things are really important to, you know, to building that success and training towards what you're going to see when you get to hopefully the state, you know, the the, the district playoffs or the regional playoffs or the state playoffs and then prepare yourself to that success when you get forward. And that's definitely one thing I would have done better um, when I was in high school. is I would have hit off of velocity a lot more. I mean, I just, you know, my dad's throwing me batting practice and I'm hitting you know, off of overhand BP, kind of feel-good swings all the time, um, and never really training outside of my comfort zone and never feeling uncomfortable I'm hitting. I always felt super comfortable. And and until you get into that box and you're facing a guy throwing 93 or 95, you feel really uncomfortable. So sort of training in those uncomfortable situations.
0: I like that, and that's something that I I don't think probably enough kids do. I think the feel-good swings are – are, are probably what most kids are taking a lot of times, but finding a way to be uncomfortable as a hitter, you're right. I mean, that's, that's going to be about every at-bat once they get to college. <laughs> you might as well do it before you get there. Um, Coach, just uh, one or two more things that I really would like to ask before we uh, before we jump off the call. Um, Youngstown State has got some things in place that, that lower-level schools don't, and I'm sure that you probably didn't have at, at Mercyhurst. Uh, But but things that I think that young players would like to know about and know that they exist. They might not even know that they exist. So at Youngstown, you guys have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, have a nutritionist that works with your team. You've also got, uh, well, like most colleges probably have a a strength program. You guys probably have uh, unique strength coaches that work with you. And, And you also mentioned that you guys have a success center, an academic success center. Would you just would you mind briefly touching on each of those just to sort of uh, I guess give a, a high school player an idea of th- some of the things like that that they'll experience in college just to help them to be successful that that maybe they don't even know exists.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll start with the academic center first. Uh, you know, all of our and this is not unique to us. Uh, there's a lot of places that you know, my most colleges have this at this point. But you know, you have your own individual academic. Uh, advisor through our athletic department. So they're there to kind of help you um, schedule your classes. If you have any issues with any of the classes that are going on, help you get tutoring, uh, you know, all those things are available to you uh, through there, as well as that's where we would do our, our mandatory study hall hours. So our guys are mandated, all of our new players are mandated eight hours of study hall um, where they have to go into the success center, those computers, and and. You know any any of the technology stuff that they need to be able to um, you know to prepare themselves each week to to get all their work done that they need to get done. Um, so I, it's a great resource. I mean, there's tons of resources all over campus. Whether it's the math center, or, uh, you know, we have a lot of engineering majors. And, um, so you know, those are some pretty challenging courses in class. So there's all, all every department has their own area where you can go get some some uh, some tutoring and work in if you need it. Um, so you know that's one of our one of the tools we have here for our players. Uh, Amy Rab is our uh, nutritionist here on campus, and that's something that we really started probably last year um, with you know trying to get our guys to think about the things that they're putting into their bodies uh, because it's it's so important uh, to the development of our players, and that's really what we're, we're that's really what we're talking about when we. When we bring players here, is how are we going to develop you from where you are as when you come here as an 18-year-old freshman to where you're going to be when you're a 22-year-old senior or 23, whatever age it would be. Um, and the nutrition part is a big, and, it, and it's becoming bigger and bigger through through you know everywhere is how, how how important nutrition is. So you know our guys will do some body mass index testing, uh, body fat testing, just trying to make sure that. You know, we're staying on track with where we want our guys to be. There's some players that come in that we'd like them to put some weight on. Some players maybe we'd like to take some off or reshape their bodies a little bit. Uh, some guys we just want to maintain where they're at and just make sure they're healthy and getting stronger. Uh, and that kind of works itself right into our strength program. Uh, Brian Sklinar is our strength coach. He's the best. Uh, you know, I think he does a great job with, with our players. Um you know, just really, you know, that, that weight room is so, so important because it's such a long year. You know, it's really different than a lot of other sports, football, basketball, where, you know, our guys get here in August. And our season isn't until February and they're here until June. So it's a very long year throughout the course of... You know, those nine months that they're here, ten months, whatever it may be, you know, they're, they're here for a long period of time. So, you know, taking care of yourself and preparing your body to play 56 games in the same amount of time that the high schools play, you know, 17 to 20 games. You know, it's really how can you, you know, get yourself to be the strongest, most, um, you know, baseball specific as you can be. Uh, you know, or um, through our um, athletic training, you know, they work with our players on, you know, doing functional body movements and, and really learning how to use your core and your hips and, you know, all those things that are going to make you really successful, whether it's on the mound or in the field or, or, or swinging, you know, how can we use our bodies more efficiently? And that's part of, you know, kind of our, our strength training processes uh, is that, you know, functional strength is what we call it, you know, so we can get our guys to throw the hardest and swing the fastest and stay healthy throughout, you know, these nine months.
0: What outstanding resources that you guys have and, and really, really great that kids are able to have that on campus. And I think that especially the academic part, they'll find that at most levels, including junior college, Division two, II, Division three. Uh, The nutritionist and and the strength coaches will vary. Probably nutritionist, would you say, is only really available at at, uh, some some of the higher level division ones? Is that kind of where we are right now as collegiate baseball together?
1: Yeah, I I can't, you know, like I said, I can't speak for other universities. I don't know sort of where, I know when I was at junior college, we did not have a nutritionist, you know, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, I I think it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's moving in that direction people are starting you know i i just think we're getting smarter about how how we do things you know not that our guys don't don't eat mcdonald's every once in a while or don't have you know chick-fil-a or whatever um we're we're just saying hey let's be smart about what we're eating at those places and um let's be smart about how many times we're doing it and all those things and how we can prepare food for ourselves and the types of food that we can eat. It's changed. It's, it's honestly, it's changed the way that, that I look at things, and it's changed the way that, that I eat um, on a general basis because I just, you you start to know more about how things work. And I think it's not just here, but I think a lot of places are really starting to look at it and how that, that fuel that you're putting in your body, how you can get the most out of what you're putting into your body, um, out of your body.
0: Really, really great stuff. Dan, I appreciate your time very much. Dan Bernalini. everybody, who is the head coach at Youngstown State, a really bright young guy who's uh, – I'm really excited to see what uh, what you accomplish at Youngstown State. Um, just really appreciate you. We're very blessed to have you on the program. So uh, thanks a lot for joining us today, Dan.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.